Hello, and welcome to the gathering of the church together. What I'd like to do today is lay a little bit of the groundwork uh, around the premise of this ministry and what it is we hope to accomplish here. And honestly, just to extend an invitation to the church around the world to literally come together. So I'd really like to start with just a, a basic framework for who we are as believers in Christ and what that might mean to us, uh, not as individuals, but as a collective. The first thing that has to be pointed out is that we were called to pursue holiness. First Peter 1, 15 and 16. And as I pick through my Bible, I just really want to make the, the foundations of this ministry well grounded in, in scripture, in the word. And so that's where we're going to start right off the bat. First Peter 1, 15 and 16 says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do for it is written, be holy because I am holy. That, that, um, that quote comes from actually numerous places throughout the Old Testament, but throughout Leviticus, we see God saying, I'm holy. And that, that ought to mandate that you are. Uh, in Leviticus 11, in Leviticus 19 too, he begins by giving that statement and then gives this, this long listing of various laws that people should consider um, when they make their choices about their actions and their attitudes. His premise is, I'm holy. I'm holy, and if I'm your God, then you need to pursue holiness too. So as individuals, as Christ followers, we are, we're mandated and expected to pursue holiness. And, and what is this holiness? This, our aim should be the perfection of Christ himself. As believers, we are called to be God's hand, hands and feet. You hear that all the time. If I'm his hands and feet, if I'm the one who's representing him to the world, then I want to do that accurately, right? I want to actually convey to the world a perception about my Savior that's accurate, that actually reflects him as he actually is. Well, he's holy. He's perfect. He's righteous. And so if I'm going to give an accurate reflection of him to other people, then I better pursue holiness and righteousness myself. So it's, it's totally logical that as believers in Christ who are tasked with this job of being his hands and feet, being a, a physical manifestation of his greatness to those who are around us, then it only makes sense that we need to actually pursue holiness so that we can look a lot like him and convey that to others. It's a, it's a basic tenet of becoming a Christ follower. His perfection has covered us. The blood of Christ and the, and the righteous life that he lived on our account, it is perfectly sufficient to save us from our sins, to redeem us from, from the slavery to sin that, that so entrapped us before his offering was made to us and received by us. It is more than sufficient to save us. But having been saved by that perfection, we're also told in scripture that if you love me, you'll obey me. God says this. It, that's, that's the way that we, one of the ways in which we exhibit our love to him. If we love him, we'll obey him. And if we obey him, then we're going to be holy. We're going to be something more pure than we would be if we went by our own natural human inclinations. And so we see this tendency to, uh, to desire. We ought to see a tendency to desire holiness in, our, in ourselves so as not to abuse his grace, so as to more accurately reflect him to an onlooking world, so as to convey love to him by obeying him, which results in this holiness. And so as believers, the aim of our life actually ought to be holiness. Too often, believers have this perception of sanctification. That is the process, the lifelong process through which we become more holy. 
a lot of people have this this vision of sanctification as something that just God does in you, you know, almost like it's, uh, I walk through this valley of poppies and everything is nice and beautiful. And as I'm going, God just transforms me that that's a beautiful picture, but it's really not at all accurate in the life of any believer. Sanctification is, is hard. It's something we're meant to contribute to. It's something we're meant to actually dial into and be disciplined toward. It's not something we should just be asking God to do in us. It should be something that we join him in doing in us. So let's pursue this holiness. Let's actually take seriously God's mandate to be holy as he is holy. Let's strap on our boots. Let's wrap up ourselves in these weapons that we've been given, and let's actually fight for holiness. Let's actually aim for this as a discipline of our lives that is a goal that we continually strive toward. Let's pursue holiness. The context for doing that or for doing anything in the kingdom of God is actually wrapped up in the word together. We see the beauty of this all over the place. Ecclesiastes 4.12 is that classic verse. I'll actually flip to it. And I'm probably going to give you a couple of seconds to actually um, find these verses yourselves because we need to be we need to be adept at working around in our Bibles. We need to know where everything is. You know, I, I realize, and it's kind of funny that I would even say it, that technology has its benefits, but there's just something to be said about actually being able to flip through your Bible and know where something is and, and see the context of the verses before it and the verse at, verses after it. But um, that's a rabbit trail I'll try not to go off on too often. But Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. There's a benefit to us to doing life together. We, we are able to fend off things. If somebody falls down, you've got somebody to pick you up. It's not easy. We're not easily broken. We're not as easily swayed when we do life together. So there are some very practical ways that literally you can see in your everyday life where having more than one person, more than just you, doing life with other people within a community, it actually has its benefits for us. Not only that, it's rather mandated, and there's some other... Um, Benefits that we see also in Hebrews 10, Hebrews 10 verses 24 and 25. Hebrews 10, 24 says, um, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We're to consider how to spur one another on. There's two benefits for that. Me as the one who's spurring somebody else on, it impassions me. It gives me a sense of purpose. It helps me to, to see where it is I'm being called today and how I might be useful and fruitful and purposeful in my life. But as the one who is being encouraged, when I'm falling down, I got somebody to come and help pick me up. And so there's this, this great benefit that comes with doing life together. Not only are we getting some very practical applications, some very practical benefits from doing life together, it goes much deeper and much further than that. And you notice in Hebrews 10 that that's a mandate there. That's a statement of, of do this, don't do that. Do not give up meeting together. It's something we're, we're called to do because he knows the need that we have for the benefits that we'd find there in that togetherness. But we can also look at Hebrews, I mean, at Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 17 says, um, the second half of that verse, it says, I pray that you, being rooted and established or grounded in love, may have the power together with all the Lord's people 
to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know that love that surpasses all knowledge. I have to have this sense of together in order to fully grasp who I am, who God made me to be, the depths of the love that he has for me, the depths of the love that is available for me to draw on and rely on, and the depths of the love that is available for me to then give to others. All of these things, all of these great, this great bounty that comes from together is part of this dual nature of together that is both for me and for the Lord. For me, I get help when I'm falling down, that Ecclesiastes, when I'm, when I'm needing help, when I'm in distress, when I feel like I'm being bent and I might be broken, then I have the sense of together to help pull me through. I get encouragement. I get to be spurred on. I get the, the, purposefulness of spurring other people on. I get that encouragement. And I also get the ability to grasp things that are are mysterious, as Paul says, um, throughout Ephesians. These wonderful mysteries about how God loves us and the depths of that love. All of that is more, uh, more tangible to me, more easily grasped by me in the context of doing life together. But that dual nature it's great for me. I get all those things that I've just laid out for you. It's a beautiful gift to me. But actually, Ephesians chapter 3 ends with the verse 21, where he's that classic verse that so many people know from Ephesians, although they might not know where it's from. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, the, the sentence actually ends with verse 21. To him be glory in the church. When we do life together, when we enjoy all those benefits, all those blessings that are ours in the gift of doing life together in community, then it actually glorifies God, which makes perfect sense because the body of Christ, that that community, that together that we get to enjoy as children of the Most High, when we do that, we are exemplifying the bride of Christ, So we get to show the world what a relationship with the God of the universe looks like as this beautiful marriage between Christ and us as his church. And so we're actually bringing him glory. We're making him known. We are are drawing people to a knowledge and a fear of God by the way that we exemplify our relationships to each other and his relationship to us. And so it only makes sense that this is a a vehicle through which God might be glorified. He might be made known throughout the world. And so we have this beautiful opportunity to enjoy these wonderful blessings that come from being together. And he gets glory when we do. The problem, however, is that together has not been easily done over the last few years. With COVID and quarantine and all of the, the restrictions that have been put on us with travel, with conversations, I don't know about you, but it's really hard. My hearing is not super great. And so to be able to, um, to read people's lips really was kind of a, a benefit that I didn't realize how much I clung to until people started covering up their mouths. Together has just gotten more difficult over the last few years. And yet we've found ways When it comes to work, when it comes to quarantine, when it comes to to getting our jobs done and crossing borders that our bodies can't, we've actually found lots of ways to get it done. 
I'm, I'm, I've never been much of a, a technology advocate. I'm one of those that tends to see the evil uh, pretty readily, and I focus on that. I tend to. But in all of life, I have realized that most things are not inherently good or bad. It's like a pendulum. They, they really kind of rest right in the middle, and depending on what we do with them, they either become good or bad. Technology is one of those things that, in my own mind, I have, I have allowed it to swing bad. And it makes me just want to ditch the whole thing, quite frankly, because it's used for evil purposes far too often. But over the course of this, this, this COVID, this pandemic era that we live in, we have learned to use technology for some wonderful and impressive ways. And most of us who would not have been inclined to even attempt to become familiar with it before have been forced to do so. And now all of a sudden, we really don't have too much of a problem getting on a Zoom call or figuring out how to listen to a podcast or find our way through a, through a tricky website. We've grown in our ability to communicate across borders. We've actually found ways to use technology to do the one thing that God says we need to do most, and that's be together. So let's do that. Let's actually, as, as the church, as the body of Christ, as the bride of Christ, let's actually do together. I want to pursue holiness. I want to put on the righteousness of God. I want to, to mimic him, model him well to the world around me. I want to actually be holy as God is holy. And yet I have found that that's a really difficult task when I'm just the one strand because the pursuit of holiness is an extremely high aim that none of us will hit this side of heaven, but we're all called to pursue until then. And if I'm gonna work really hard at something and I'm gonna pursue something with this degree of passion, I'm gonna need those other strands to come alongside me. So let's use this, this new knowledge that across the board we seem to have in technology, and yet let's use it to get together so that together we might pursue things that we really can't aim for very well. We're not, we couldn't expect to hit without together. You can't read through Ephesians, the first three chapters of Ephesians, and miss the repetition of that one particular word over and over and over again. Together. We're meant to do life together. As children of the Most High, we're called to be together. As a matter of fact, in chapter two, those pivotal verses where it says in verse 19, you're no longer foreigners and strangers. You're fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Members of your house. I don't know about you, but members of my household, I call them family. And so let's do life like family. Let's get together like the family that through the blood of Christ, through the peace that he has offered us, between, him, between ourselves and the Father and between each of us as individuals, that any barriers have been broken down. There is now nothing but peace between us at the very core of who we are. And so let's act like what God has made us to be. He's made us to be family. So the goal here with the church together is that we could create a, a web-based platform where the global church can actually come together, pursue holiness together look like family together we can 
over this technology that we've become so familiar with, we can actually have gatherings. We can we can encourage one another. We can spur one another on. We can pick one another up. We can we can bend together, and we can glorify the Lord together. We can learn just a little bit more about the depths of God's love for us together. And so we'd really like for the global church, for everybody out there who has been covered by the perfect blood of Jesus, made righteous as we've been covered by his righteousness, for all of us who have been redeemed from slavery to sin, for all of us who've been reconciled to the Father by the perfect blood and life of Christ, we're family. And so let's come together and let's pursue holiness together. Let's, let's do that mandated thing of becoming holy. Let's actually be disciplined in it. Let's stand together in it. Let's keep each other from bending and breaking together in it. This uh, ministry is not intended to supplant a local church. I, I have no intentions of you uh, listening to podcasts and enjoying our events together in, in the place of attendance and, um, and service and a real investment in your local church. So when I say church, uh, as far as the church together goes, I'm talking about the capital C church, the one that will be gathered around on the golden floor of eternity, praising our Father as one. There are no denominations there. There are no nationalities. If you read through Revelation 7, you will see that that scene in heaven is this beautiful picture of every tribe and tongue, every nation, every people gathered together. And we're not in divisions there. We are one body, one family. My goal really is that that reunion, that, that experience that we have in eternity around that throne looks more like a reunion and less like an introduction. I'd love to see the whole church, the global church, gather over the means that we have become so familiar with and actually get to know each other have these wonderful little family reunions where we where we thrive on the relationships that are that are deep they are soul deep so enjoy your local churches and invest there but come to the church together and let's get just the tiniest little taste of what eternity is meant to be what it will be what the church looked like in acts and what it will look like in eternity Let's have some reunions here and get to know each other like the family that we are. The one question that really remains, however, is who exactly am I talking to? I have, I have, I have mentioned, of course, that uh, I'm talking to people who are saved by the blood of Christ. Those of us who expect to spend our eternity around that throne in, in heaven, praising our Father forever. But even more so than that, I think one of the things that we have realized over this COVID season is that there are a lot of, a lot of people who have put on the name of Christian, but found over the last few years, they really didn't hold any, any sway in their lives. And it became something that they really didn't have much trouble dropping and had a lot of trouble picking back up once the option was there. The people that I see gathering through the church together are those of us who desire to pursue holiness with passion, with discipline, with vigor, who really want to be more holy tomorrow than we were yesterday. 
who realize that in order to become everything that God has called me to be, I have to do it in community with other people. You have to know just a little bit about me. I, I lived a huge portion of my life going, attempting to go against, I think it was John Donne who said, no man is an island independent of himself. I, I thought, well, no man but me. <laughs> I'm very much an introvert. I'm one of those have my groceries delivered kind of people. And yet, even during COVID, I realized I really need that. I need the fellowship. I need the communication. I need those conversations. I need leaning in on other people. Over the last several years, God has made it very clear to me that whatever he would have me called to do, it cannot be done in isolation. I cannot become all that I am intended to be alone, and neither can you. You can't, there's a a level of holiness you cannot hit alone. There is a level of purposefulness you cannot fulfill alone. And so I'd love for us to gather as the church and actually pursue that holiness together, putting on the mantle of Christ's perfection and leaning in on each other when it's really hard to fight for it. But specifically, I I have two visual pictures, and I'm a very visual person, so if you're not, then bear with me, but if you are, maybe this will resonate in your own minds, but I have two pictures of the type of, of believers that the church together should really um, be a, a wonderful meeting place for. One is, have you, if you ever seen it, you draw a circle, and um, like inside the circle is, as I made it, I'm in heaven. Outside the circle is, I didn't make it, and, and I'm, I'm in hell. Uh, and many people, they just want the fire insurance. They just want to be just inside the circle. You know, they want to know that they're not going to have eternal damnation waiting for them. But at the same time, they're not really ma- willing to make a whole lot of sacrifices in this world to, to you know, uh, say thanks for that free and wonderful gift. And so there are people on the outskirts of this circle, and and they're not really pursuing holiness, but they sure are glad that they have heaven waiting. There's a dot in the middle of that circle, and that dot is Christ himself. If you are chasing the dot, then I'm talking to you. If the goal of your life is not merely to be saved from hell, but to contribute greatness to heaven, then I'm talking to you. I am looking for people like me who are chasing the dot, whose primary aim in all of life is holiness and the fulfillment of the purposes for which I've been called. I need people like you to come alongside me so that I can get closer to the dot. Also, another visual is a triangle, just a, a regular triangle. And if you're looking at a triangle, you know, and I'm on one, one side of the bottom and you're on one side of the bottom, and we're all aiming for that apex. We're aiming for godliness. We're aiming for Christ himself, which is at the top of the triangle. Then you know what happens as we, as we ascend the triangle, as we rise in holiness? I get closer to the apex, Right. So do you. At the top of that triangle, not only are we closer to God, we're closer to each other. I'm looking for people who are wanting to rise. As Ephesians 3 uh, also says, it's just this beautiful picture. 
It's Ephesians 2. It says, Ephesians 2, 21 says, In him the whole building is being joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I'm looking for people who are wanting to come together and rise to become a holy temple in God. I'm looking for people to come alongside me. And when when I'm tempted to bend, you're the one who encourages and spurs me on. I'm looking for people that are aiming for the same apex as me, who are chasing that same dot, and who will never be content with settling for anything less than Christ's perfection for their lives. That's who I'm looking for. And I'm extending an invitation. If that's what you're looking for, then I'd like to do life together with you. I'd like to gather as the body of Christ. I'd like to show the world what the bride of Christ looks like so that they can see an accurate picture of our groom. I'm looking for people who want more than anything to say thank you in terms that God can understand for the immeasurable gift of the greatness of Christ's perfection given to me. I'm looking for people to do church together. If that's you, we have a couple of platforms that I would love for you to visit And let us know you've been there. Thechurchtogether.net is our website. We have a Facebook page. Find us at The Church Together. If you're a part of that church, if you're chasing the dot, if you're getting closer to the apex, you're getting closer to me, and I'd like to be introduced. I'd I'd like to get to know you this side of heaven so that I can have the elation of reuniting with you around the throne in heaven. Go to our Facebook page and let me know. Let us know. I've answered the call to gather, and I'm the church. I'd like to grow with you. I'd like to pursue holiness together. I'd like to, I need some encouragement. I need to be spurred on. I'm bending, and I don't want to break. Or I'm, or I'm on a mountaintop, and if you need to be pulled up, baby, I am the one for you. I want to hear that. I want to know that. Paul repeats over and over and over again throughout Scripture how encouraged he is by the faith of other people. I'd like to know about your faith. I'd like to make it indescribably clear in my everyday life that I am not the only one on the planet pursuing holiness and on my knees in gratitude for the grace that has been given me in Christ. If that's your life, if that's your pursuit, if that is your desire, let's do life together. Let's actually look like the church together.